0: Hello, I am Dr. Kathleen Hall, and this is The Way I See It. Today, I would love to talk about uh, a word that I love, which is awe, A-W-E, awe, because awe is the earthquake to your mind. It's an earthquake when you experience awe. Let me explain what led me to this podcast today. Um, Recently, I've had a lot of health issues uh, since I moved back to Atlanta full time. Uh, I used to live up at the farm in the middle of the Chattahoochee National Forest. Really, for 30 years, we had our horse farm. So I would live up there most of the week, come down here for two to three days a week to run my business. So we always had an apartment and an office there. So I moved back and forth, but I spent most of my life for 30 years up there on the farm in the in, in our farm. Our horse farm was literally located in the middle of the Chattahoochee National Forest. So um, I've lived most of my life in the womb of the woods. You know, nature, wildlife, horses, dogs, cats, the raccoons I've rescued, water, our lake, and I think we had 20 creeks. So it was um, a, a, an unbelievably, um pretty wild in, in nature place, which was amazing to live in. But anyway, so I've gone into the hospital a s- couple times this year and several times over the last few years, going, I've always been healthy. What is wrong with me? Um, so my heart's been out of rhythm and um, you know, things like uh some really significant out-of-rhythm problems. Uh and I'm like, okay, what is, so I've meditated more, done Reiki, I'm a Reiki master, done Reiki on myself. I, you know, don't eat meat, don't drink alcohol. I mean, my life is meditate every day. And I thought, what is, but I can feel that something's off, something's off. So over the last month, and especially the last couple of weeks, I began to, you know, ask the universe, ask God, ask the divine, what is going on? And then I just got this unbelievable feeling going, It's, it's my body, whether it's you know, thyroid or heart or all these other issues, is out of rhythm because um, maybe it's because I lived in that huge awe and, and wonder of the forest and all those animals every day of my life. And it's just been a few years since we moved back here, sold the farm. And I live in the city full time. And I mean, I live in the middle of the city of Atlanta, 7 million people. Um, Those of you who know Buckhead and Peachtree Road, and I live right there, there, here in the middle of all of this busyness, which I love. I love Atlanta, love my friends, love being here. But I'm wondering now, and I've just wondered this in the last week, that's why I'm doing this podcast, is I did wake up every day of my life when I lived up there, filled with awe and wonder. I, you know, got up in the morning to feed the horses and the animals. So, it, you know, the sunrise in the morning, whether it was freezing in the winter, in the spring, the smell and the sound of birds, whether it was the dead of summer when you'd I'd walk outside and it was just heat and humidity. Whatever it was, I watched the sun come up over that lake, and it was on wonder. Then I'd either walk to the stable or... I'd get in my golf cart and drive up there, but I have never, ever walked straight up there without stopping several times, several times, in a state of awe, whether it was a new bird, an egret from Florida, something, uh, a new type of bird, an egret that, I mean, uh, all kinds of different birds that would land on the water, on the lake, or whether it was the new sound of something in a tree, or me stopping and listening and wondering if um, a sow bear and her cubs. If I could hear it up in the woods crunching, or it was like, I, or whether it was the horses that were in the pasture, knowing I was going up to feed them, race with their little foals behind them and squealing all the way. It was even before uh, moments after I got up, throw my overalls on, my boots, uh, my t-shirt, and awe and wonder, uh, and uh, I, I I just can't take the colors, the smells, the sounds. And, um, and and again, the birds were saying, good morning. Uh, it made my heart sing. Once I got into the barn, the cats jumping all over the place in the cross ties, the horses, the dogs all jumping around, calling out in pure joy each day. And of course, they were waiting for me, their mom, to feed them. I mean, yeah, of course. But their excitement and my joy of experiencing these kids coming alive every morning of my life I always stood in the hall of the barn as I was putting the grain in or I, you know, get the fescue hay and, you know, get ready to throw it into the stalls or pour the cat food, dog food. I always took a deep breath, smelled the pure air, the smell of the cedar shavings in the stalls and that divine, holy smell of my horses and every little noise that they made. It made you feel with wonder and awe, the sound of the mares. The little foals were whimpering and calling out, you know, looking at their mamas like, what's going on here? I'm I'm still drinking your milk. Um, the cats purring, the barn swallows that were singing in the rafters. I mean, every day was pure heaven. And so it was kind of like that all day. Then I'd go back and work uh, on my company, the Mindful Living Network or the Stress Institute. I'd go to the office with my overalls still on half the time. But I I would walk out during the day, whether we had lunch or I went outside for a short walk and watched the horses run up. It was a day filled with intermittent awe. And then I especially remembered the end of the day when I took my shower, and I would take off my filthy overalls that either had horse poop on them or dog slobber or grain or you name it, mud, of course. And I'd laugh, and I would sit in that warm water under the shower and look up with the water on my face and relive all those moments of awe during that day and felt so beyond blessed, so beyond blessed that all those animals, all of the sounds, the smells of nature, the sky, the blue sky, the rain, clouds coming up, the awing feeling of I, I could always smell rain at least a few hours before it came, sometimes half a day before it came. came. Um, so, I'd wash off, then dry off, and just sit there on a stool in the bathroom and just grin, remembering the awe of the day. So I've sat here in the last month wondering why my heart's out of rhythm, everything, and then it hit me. Maybe I'm not experiencing enough awe in my life since I moved to the city, where I daily, hourly, seasonally experience the awes. Maybe the rhythm of my mind, body, and soul is off because I've lived in the womb of nature for 30 years, and urban life doesn't give me the same high vibrational frequency my entire being is used to. You know, and I thought back to the Native Americans I've had the privilege of living with or studying, whether it was the Utes or the Athabascans uh, up north in Canada, whether it was um, the Navajo, you name it, the Hopi, the Cherokee. When they are taken out of nature, they die. They feel like their souls have died. In the removal, when they were taken from uh, Georgia, North Carolina, out to Oklahoma, they felt that they had died because their souls were in the earth, in the dirt, in the trees, where they had been born. So when they were moved to another place, their souls were left here. So they felt like zombies being moved by the white people. I'm wondering somehow if I'm not having a little effect of that. And then I remember doing research years ago, after I had worked with them and I work with I have a foundation and I work with um inner city kids, at risk youth, uh in South Atlanta, very, very challenged for violence and all kinds of problems. And I researched nature deficit disorder back then. And um, and actually built a 10,000-square-foot center for my kids up on our farm so that they could come up there and live part of their life up there after I studied nature deficit disorder. And it's the idea that human beings, especially children, spend less time outdoors, and so in that they have behavioral problems. Um, and again, Richard Louvre, who wrote The Last Child in the Woods years ago, he talked about this, that... Parents, even in the city, are so afraid of, quote, strangers and stuff, they keep their kids inside and not out in nature. And he saw this as a future problem with our world and our children. So, um, and I wondered if part of the violence and the confusion, stress, um, disorientation of the kids I was working with that were, you know, on their way on a fast lane to prison, I wondered if part of that was maybe nature deficit disorder. They can't get out of their apartments in public housing. They they have not absorbed that we don't have parks there. So anyway, um, that's what the definition of nature deficit disorder is, being without nature. And yes, I experience wonder on a daily basis. I invest my life in moments of connecting with all I have. I go over to this park that we have. It's a 40-acre park that used to be a golf course. There are three lakes over there. There are birds, there are dogs, there's an otter. So I make sure I, I when I work every day, I have um, closed in this sunroom. I put my computer in there and my work so that, and I have a bird feeder right outside there and, and gardens I've built that I look out to so that I see um, a red Bright red male cardinal show up to feast in the bird feeder, and I stop in awe. Oh, and I have field glasses there too. So I pick up the glasses and look and watch her eat. And I, there's not one moment that I just don't sit there and go, My God, the beauty. And then we have blue jays that come, and you know how big and bossy they are, and little nasty, aggressive personalities. I sit there and belly laugh, watching when he flies in with these bright blue, royal blue colors, taking over the bird feeder and saying, Hey, I'm the boss. Or, and then of course my favorite are my tiny little goldfinches that I hear before they come. They're little squeak, squeak, squeak. And then they come up to the bird feeder. Oh my God, they're so tiny and so bright yellow. Anyway, um you and we're gonna talk about this, places you can create awe, living in an apartment, living in the city, wherever you live, you can find ways to create wonder and awe. So for a few minutes, let's explore why it's critical for humans to explore, experience awe regularly. And it's for your mental, physical, and spiritual health. So technically speaking, awe is a kind of trans, transcendent euphoria we experience when we see something vast or beautiful. And in a way, awe is an altered state of consciousness. It's it's like the state of flow that was popularized by uh, Mikhail, and I have a hard time always saying his name, Chick is mile, and you can look up his book. It's called Flow. It's an amazing book, and it'll transform your life, by the way. It's an older book. I love it. It's a classic. Standing on a mountain peak, watching a tornado, being the presence of a lion um, can create this experience of beauty and awe. I went to the zoo a few months ago, and, and my husband and I just sat there in awe at the pandas, at all these. We were like a few feet from a giraffe. Um, Anyway, it's incredibly majestic, a vastness that's bigger than ourselves, and sometimes even even we can get fear, goosebumps, or tears may accompany experience of awe. We can also experience awe by listening to a complex or beautiful piece of music, like I love Andrea Bocelli. He can send me out into another world in a few seconds. Celine Dion, some of her majestic, beautiful tones in her music, it's just awing. So, or, or seeing a masterpiece when I was at the Louvre or when I go to the high here in Atlanta and we have um, different, they had uh, Frida Kahlo. I I was in awe for two days after I left that uh, viewing. It was unbelievable. Or hearing about a person who presses on against all odds and possesses some extraordinary nobility. How about Harriet Tubman? How about Martin Luther King Jr.? How about... Very, uh, I even uh, uh, look at people like Ulysses S. Grant or different people in our history, uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln. They create awe in me when I read the many biographies I've read of all of them. But wilderness often creates the most wildness and the most powerful experience of awe. Awe causes us to rethink how we see the world and causes us to contemplate our place in the world. But only recently have scientists begun to really study and do research on this experience of awe. So we can learn a few fascinating lessons I'm going to talk about. Number one is the small self. One of the things that happens to us when we experience awe, what researchers call the quote, small self. In this research, when people have experienced awe, they were asked to select a picture that represented them. They always tended to select pictures that had a small person in relationship to other objects in the picture. In other words, people who experienced awe would say the small self picture describes them, while those who did not typically choose the big self picture. I thought of this because if I would do drawings after I fed in the morning or did something, I would have this huge, massive lake or huge sun or this massive 1,200-pound horse, and I would have me... I noticed I pulled out a lot of the pictures. I was so tiny compared to all these things. And I didn't even understand then that it was my psyche working, showing that I was small in, in relationship to awe. And it's this phenomenon of being small that creates the conditions for all kinds of other positive emotions and behavior. Now, I mean, this is a cool example. Shame is like awe. It causes people to feel small. But there are, there's a very key difference. People who experience awe feel small and connected to others. We have this warm rush, this feeling, this wonder. Whereas those who experience shame feel alienated from others. I lived a huge part of my life in shame. I understand this completely. I separated from others. I felt alone. It led to self-destructive behaviors. Yes, one makes you bigger, connected, connected to the holy, the divine people, greater than yourself. So cool. Next is the connected self. Something else that happens when we experience awe in the wilderness is that we feel more connected to those around us and to the human race as whole. In experiments, participants who had wilderness awe experiences would draw overlapping circles to describe how they were, describe how they were related in the world, whereas people who did not have an awe experience drew separate circles to describe how they were related to others as other instead of one. When we asked questions related to this, the researchers, those who experienced awe answered that they felt more connected with everyone in the human race than they would simply by looking at a building or going into a business. So there's something powerful about this emotion, awe, that it does to each of us. It makes us feel small and humble, and yet also makes us feel more connected. Next, the more generous self. Awe creates a generosity in us. Other studies have shown that awe experiences lead people to cooperate more, have more joy, be more humble, less narcissistic, entitled, materialistic. Awe is also strongly linked to a greater sense of purpose. So we have lots of studies, I won't go into them in detail, that when you experience awe, within 24, 48 hours, people are more generous. They give more money. It's pretty cool, all the experiments they're doing with this right now. Also, following the ancient paths. Modern science is only now beginning to understand what humans have known for millennia. From the earliest signs of civilization, people through, throughout the ages went to the wilderness on a quest, a vision quest, or to hear the voice of God and experience the transcendence and transformation that would follow. If you follow any great books of spirituality or religion, look at the Bible. Jesus, Moses, everybody, Moses, everybody went into nature to find or hear. Muhammad, Buddha, all of these great beings, uh, even more current people, the, you know, the Dalai Lama. Uh, you talk about people like um, uh, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, all of these amazing people went to the woods to live deliberately. And this reminds me of a saying by uh, Henry David Thoreau. I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to confront the essential facts of life, to learn what it had to teach so that when I died, I would learn that I had lived. I had that made into a drawing and framed, and I had that right by my office every day of my life. I still do. So awe changes us. And science is only confirming that wilderness itself puts us into a state of receptivity and allows us to tune in to a state that transforms us. Let's consider that none of the ancients had cell phones or internet access or social media accounts. They all lived in rural settings already, yet they still knew they needed to live their comfort zone and go to wild places to meet the divine and to meet themselves, to be with themselves, and to listen deeply. Moderns like ourselves are bombarded by so much activity and stimuli that we are all finding ourselves somewhat on the attention deficit scale. We are quickly losing touch with ourselves, with the divine and one another. How much more do we need to make space for the wildernesses in our lives? Like sugar being causal to our global obesity epidemic, technology and urbanization are causal, to the decline of our relationships and our mental health. Remember, awe, A-W-E, awe and wonder, silence us. They silence our intellectual mind, our worried mind, our frightened mind, our lonely self. Our mundane life continues unless we experience awe. Awe evaporates. Okay, all, awe evaporates, all of these things when we experience awe, it evaporates. And last but not least, let's not forget stress. <sighs> okay, there are enormous benefits to awe to our mental health, like it boosts our generosity, it shrinks the the sense of self, which seems to reduce ruminated thinking, obsessive compulsive or worrying all the time. This is potentially very important since rumination is a known risk factor for depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder. You're often zoomed in so narrowly on the situation you're not thinking about anything else. This is taken from a book written by Cross whose book Chatter explores the effect of negative self-talk. Awe forces us To broaden our perspective, he says, so that when we break free of the rumination cycle of thinking, when you are in the presence of something vast and indescribable and awe, you feel smaller. And so does your negative chatter. It silences. So, now, you know, I know, and again, this is my new health prescription for myself, is... I want to, and I hope you want to create more awe in your life, okay? How do you do it? Here's some tips. Go outside into nature. Look at the blue sky, clouds, trees. When it's pouring down rain, get outside and just be in awe. Go stand in a few raindrops. It's very cool, and look up. So, look at the blue sky, clouds, trees, and their gorgeous variegated bark. Every bark is different on a tree. Look at the variegation of the leaves. Notice the leaves. Stop and look deeply into a flower, I went and looked at um, one of my camellias yesterday. Unbelievably gorgeous. I went through the layers into the beautiful yellow center, the stamen, the petals, the colors. And what about insects, bees, butterflies, everything flying by you, crawling on things? The slower you go, the more you absorb nature and the more awe and wonder you'll experience. There's something called entrainment in physics. When something having a lower vibrational frequency or energy vibration gets around you with a higher vibrational frequency, you entrain, you become one with it, your energy level and your brain, body, soul, it increases, your immune system gets stimulated. Being in nature raises your mental and physical and soul energy and creativity levels. Okay. So that's one, get outside. Two, animals. When I used to either get panic attacks or stressed or go in the winter, especially getting a little depressed, I would go straight up to the stables, the barn. And I'd take one of my pregnant mares that was in a stall and I would lay on her belly. I would walk up to her, put my hands over her back and put my heart and my chest on her belly and take deep breaths. And the reason is a normal heart rate for an adult horse ranges from two to 48 beats per minute. Well, if I was having anxiety or lots of stress, mine was like a hundred a hundred plus. So what would happen is i or and even I did this even when I was in a bad mood. I always went to the stable, laid my body on my standing mare horse's body this female horse. It works every single time it also works with dogs and cats when i since i'm not close i'm living in the city now, but I have dogs and cats. I immediately will pick up my dog, hold her on my chest, one of my dogs, the cat. I put her over my shoulder, and she purrs on me, and I know in entrainment it's calming me down. I have a bird feeder outside of my office window that I talked about where my computer's located. I stop in awe and look up, pick up my field glasses, and again, whether it's a bright red cardinal, a royal blue blue jay, or yellow goldfinch, I am in awe central. Very cool. Next is music. Infuse your mind, body, and soul with your favorite music. Aweing music. Research shows it transforms us into awe almost immediately. And by the way, it's healing for the brain and the body, soul, your immune system. So make sure to keep that aweing music on. And like I said, for me, it seems to be Andrea Bocelli and Celine Dion. Things that are um, in them when they do duets. Oh, my God. Next, Videos. Keep some awe-inspiring videos on your iPhone or iPad. Maybe, and, and if you're on your computer during the day, keep them there. Maybe go to YouTube. Maybe someone's doing something magnificent and awe-inspiring that creates awe in you. Or keep some nature scenes on there that create awe. You can always go to the Mindful Living Network and go to The Meditation Room, which is on our site. Or you can go to YouTube to The Meditation Room, which is our meditation room. We have awe-inspiring Three-minute videos there, two, three-minute, four-minute. I'm telling you, you, I, I love to go there. I'm in awe. I also go to my television, and I go to YouTube on my big, huge screens in the house, and I go to the Mindful Living Network, and I go to the meditation room. And the sounds, the, whether it's the water, the snow falling, the beach, uh, bird singing, uh, Mount Fuji, whatever ones I pick on our... Uh, on our the meditation room. It just is awing. Next is an inspirational talker speaker. If there is an inspirational person who creates awe in your heart, make sure you keep that talk somewhere where you can go to it. Again, YouTube or download it, mp3, whatever it is, keep an inspirational talk. It may be um, something from a TED talker or whomever you like, whatever inspires you. So keep a talk. Next is books. Have you read an awe-inspiring book? lady. I love books about great, inspirational, heroic figures in history. I sit in pure awe at some of these brave and creative souls that have graced our earth. There is no way you can read a biography about Harriet Tubman and what she did when she, in the Underground Railroad, sitting in swamps, her, risking her life taking slaves up north and not sit there in absolute pure awe. Um... The the awe of so many people. So whoever your hero, heroes, shiros are, uh, I suggest books that bring you awe. And last but not least, please schedule awe during your day. Set your time on your phone for every four hours. Stop. Experience awe somewhere. Okay? So wake up in the morning, do it in the morning. Then maybe about ten, eleven o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, seven or eight at sunset. Walk outside, find a divine video, whatever it is, please schedule it in your life. It will transform your life. Whatever gives you awe, as the old Nike commercial says, just do it. So thanks for joining me today to talk about awe, the earthquake to your mind and also to your body and soul. Go to our site, please, the Mindful Living Network. We have all kinds of great things there. We've got inspirational things. We've got uh, videos. Uh, We've got uh, just, you name it, the meditation room. It's really a cool place to hang out. We have a great newsletter. Please sign up for it. It's uh, educational. It's inspirational. I love it. Uh, Contact me if you have an idea for a podcast or... Uh, if you have an idea for anything, let me know. We want to hear from you and you can go to our dot com, or you can go to the mindful living network and just hit contact at the bottom of the page. And remember, it's not just our tag line. It's the mission of the mindful living network. Well, we are one people, one planet with one future. It's our world. Let's hold our hearts and hands and heal ourselves and heal our world. Please share us, the Mindful Living Network, with your friends and family and community. Pass us around. Please, let's do this together. Please, let's do this together. I think since uh, uh, the recent climate conference that we had in England, I think the priority of us working together to live mindfully is even more urgent than ever. And again, please feel free to contact me at ourourmln.com or at the Mindful Living Network. Also, don't forget our meditation room. It's called The Meditation Room. We have a Mindful Living Network app. It's very cool. It's got stress tips. It's got the meditation room on there. It's got unbelievable stuff. Please check it out. And again, sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. We're here for you. Please. Help us grow, help the Mindful Living Network know and listen on how to transform our world together. Thank you very much. This is Dr. Kathleen Hall.